Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey y'all, I'm Jack, the host of Your Coming Out Podcast. Y'all are gay. And I'll be joining Bearback this week. But before you hear more from me, it is time to welcome Warwickshire's favorite bear power couple, Ben and Benha. Hi, Bamba. Uh, hello there. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Uh, <laughs> a little bit emotional. A little bit emotional after the singing. A little bit roller coaster with you. Not so much a roller coaster, but we'll get into that in a moment. In the meantime, if you are in a roller coaster or not, welcome to Bearback, the podcast where we explore our relationship as a bear power couple and discuss the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben and I'm British. And I'm Benja and I'm Argentinian. And this week we got a guest. And we have such an amazing guest. Yep, we'll be welcoming very shortly, well you heard it at the top of the show as well, Jack White, possibly of the White Stripes, I'm not sure, we'll have to ask him about that. No, it's spelled differently, remember? (laughs) No, I think it's Jack White. I think it's Jack White under a pseudonym that's Jack White. We saw him on video, Bab. Oh yeah, that's true. But then I've never seen Jack White from the White Stripes on camera. Well, but you've seen a video of him. Yeah, but it was VHS. It was ages ago. Do you think that our friend Jack gets this joke way too often and maybe we shouldn't do it? No, I I think that's all the more reason why we need to ask him. And uh, yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, Jack White, he is host of Coming Out Podcast. So each week his podcast dives deep into coming out stories of people from across the wide LGBTQ plus spectrum. Uh, We'll be talking to him about the podcast and also about his own coming out story. And we'll get a bit of culture in there as well. Of course. Before all that, I am feeling a bit emotional because I've just been sat on, well, not even sat on a train. I've been stood on various trains for seven hours. Are you sure you're emotional or are you just trying to avoid my wrath? What do you mean your wrath? Yeah, I'm fuming. Oh, you're fuming, babe. Yeah. Because <laughs> trains are crap and trains are your thing, so therefore it's your fault. Well, the thing is, it wasn't the train's fault, it wasn't the infrastructure fault, it was a tree that blew onto the line. So basically, there were no trains. We were in London, we went for a friend's birthday. We had a lovely time in London, we went to South London, we crossed over the river, and we were based in Dulwich... And we went to Crystal Palace Park and we saw the dinosaurs and we did the maze. Well, we didn't do the maze. We tried to do the maze, but it was really hard, the maze in Crystal Palace Park. Yeah, I got bored. (laughs) So we just kind of like pretended we did it and went on the little cheetah's passage, basically. Yeah. All of that fine. All of that is great. But then when we were heading back, we were supposed to be in the 11.55 train from Houston. I think you'll find it was the 11.52 that makes it even worse. <laughs> it's three more minutes. Well, I'm just saying, if you're being so specific about time, let's be specific about time. Okay, so 11.52, and we should have got home, and let's be not that specific there, but we should have been home, what, hour and a half later? Yeah. How many hours later did we get home? Seven hours later. Exactly. No trains going out from Euston, no trains going out from Marylebone, no trains going out from King's Cross. <laughs> it's like a Monopoly board. <laughs> yeah, exactly, where everyone you end is shite. No, it's not shite. It's, we had really bad inclement weather the night before. There were storms, there was wind, it was very dramatic. And of course, you know, the railway system in the UK is very archaic. We invented the railways in this country and we're still running our trains on Victorian infrastructure. So when things go wrong, which, you know, doesn't happen all the time, mm, are you sure? it goes wrong spectacularly. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to appeal to the opinion of our international listeners, our listeners outside of the UK. Please, please, please get in touch and tell us wouldn't you think that in a country that rains a lot, like the UK, wouldn't get paralysed by a storm? You can tweet us at barebackpod. 
Well, I don't know why I'm saying this because I don't really want to encourage this, but if you do want to get in touch with us, maybe about something other than rain-related issues, you can message us on Instagram at Bareback Podcast. You can search for us on Facebook, just search Bareback. Or you can email us barebackpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, well, can we talk about something else, please? Because clearly this is where we're going to agree to disagree on this one. Well, we also have a flower mishap. We? I think you'll find you had a flower mishap. Me and you were in it together, and we're bad. Okay. What happened? So, basically, it was one of my friend's birthdays. Uh, birthdays? Why birthdays? I'm, I lost English there. For a little bit. Uh, well, I'm more blown away by the fact that you have a friend. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it was my friend, my friend's birthday. Your one friend. Yeah, my one friend's birthday. Because she had one birthday, not multiple birthdays altogether. Well, the Queen does have two birthdays a year. I know, lucky her. So I thought I would send my friend flowers. Nice thing to do. I went online, I remember her address, not in a creepy way, you know, I remember the house number. I think in a creepy way. You're the kind of person who would, like, memorise all the addresses and phone numbers and probably medical records of your... Remember when Friends. we used to do that before phones, no, mobile phones existed and we and you needed to remember your friend's phone number? Yeah, actually thinking about it, I can remember a few landlines. They've just <laughs> literally flooded into my head, all these landlines. I mean, I do not remember your mobile number, but I do remember the landline number of the flat I grew up in. I'm kind of remembering, <laughs> as well as friends landline numbers i'm also remembering like do you remember when they used to do like the late night call numbers on the television like really late at night and it was like you could ring the sex hotline oh and yeah. i don't know listen to somebody heavy breathing and there was one and it was this guy and he used to go call chat back oh eight nine one fifty 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 I mean, I remember it. You remember And I remember that from like 20 years ago. You remember the sex hotline? There was one called, I think it was called like Gay Chat or something. And it was like basically these like five men in a warehouse. And it was like the most stereotypical gay things ever. Like there was a builder and there was a guy, like a bodybuilder. And they were all like doing their individual tasks in like one long line in this kind of warehouse. And then it was like, call gay time, speak to real men about real men things, doing real men things. And it was all this kind of stuff. Very, very, very macho. Is this how you spend your pocket money in (laughs) gay sex hotlines? No, I've never phoned a sex hotline. What happens when you phone a sex hotline? I've never phoned one. To be fair, I never phoned one either, so I wouldn't know. Do they still exist? Maybe we can find one. I'm sure they still exist. Yeah, do you think it'll be included in my um, mobile minutes bundle? I think you probably you can WhatsApp them now, don't you? How can you? I, I don't know. I think you can do everything through WhatsApp now. Find them on TikTok. Yeah, probably. <laughs> as well, well, yeah, as well. Anyway, the flowers. Anyway, what the happened flowers. with the flowers? So I sent flowers. I was Martin Tempstad. I didn't know if my friend was working or not. So I sent the box of flowers that goes through the mailbox. More like a bunch of daisies. Well, no, but it's not. But they come in a very nice box that it, it, it can fit through the mailbox. So it's not someone with a whole bouquet of flowers okay. that you need to open the door to receive them. So basically, I arranged for that. And then on her birthday, I sent her a message. I say, happy birthday. Hope you're having a great time. How are you spending the day? To which my friend replied, oh yeah, we came to Spain to see my sister and my brother's come here. So we're in Spain having a great time. Oh crap. And her poor flowers are wilting away in her hallway. Well, I didn't know she was going away because realistically, I, it has to be said, we normally we normally at least message every week. So I, every few days and there's always a message coming and going. But actually, I don't think I had spoken to her in a couple of weeks. What, so, so you're basically saying that... She needed your permission to leave the country. Is no. that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying she needed my permission. I said that I, I'm saying that if we had spoken, probably I would have known that he had decided last minute to go to Spain. Okay. And I would have chosen a very different birthday present. So, the big question is, the flowers, did they survive? The flowers survived. Wow. It was a few days. Mm-hmm. And until she got back home, but I, I think that the ones that come in the box as well, they they kind of come like with a lot of like bulbs and things like 
once you put in water, then it kind of blossoms or something like that. Mm, a little bit like May. Once you put me in water, I blossom. So, LA Bloomer. Absolutely. We have a very special guest today. Really excited about this. I know, me too. (laughs) Yeah, we are going back to the US. We're going to Colorado, which is so exciting to say that we're going to... I mean, virtually we're going to Colorado. I wish we were going to Colorado. I wish we were actually (laughs) flying there. And I'm delighted to invite Jack White onto the show, who is the host of You All A Gay podcast. Now, I can't say that. You're going to have to say it, Jack. (laughs) That's okay. Y'all? It's super... Yes, y'all. That was perfect. It's y'all. Y'all are gay. Y'all. Y'all. There you go. Y'all. <laughs> Jack is the host of y'all. And y'all gay. Y'all are gay. Are gay. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. The y'all, I, I just... The y'all is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Used to it, though. Yeah, I mean, who'd yeah. have thought that we both speak the same language? You could kind of forgive Benhead because, you know, English is a second language, but me, like, the fact that I can't even say, y'all are gay. There you are. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, That's that the stuff. Perfect. Thank you so much for giving up part of your day to talk to us. I know it's super early for you. We're about to go to bed here. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And thank you for having me on. It's been fun to get to know you over the last few weeks and share our stories and I'm loving what y'all y'all do and uh, <laughs> I'm excited to be on here. Obviously this is kind of like part two for us really because we've already been on your show that came out mm-hmm. earlier this week. It had mm-hmm. such an amazing time really kind of delving into our own past and looking at and thinking about when we came out. Tell us a little bit about the podcast, first of all. Y'all Are Gay started during the pandemic, as I think a lot of podcasts probably did. Guilty. Yes, we are finally okay with being on Zoom, and we needed something to do. So I wanted to get a podcast about something about me being gay, and realized it's not about me. You know, there's there's an untapped channel of the gay community, and that's coming out stories. And I think it's funny because in the gay community that's like first date topic right you sit down at a bar pub and talk about how you came (laughs) out and and how you got to be where you are but a lot of the straight community and other communities don't either feel comfortable with it or just don't know and so I wanted to provide a platform for individuals who have coming out stories from some are really great and some are heart-wrenching and from the, the spectrum of it all and uh, get their stories out for one, them, and two, for everyone to better understand sort of what we go through as the LGBTQ community. And we had such a great time sort of sharing our own coming out stories in your podcast. So mm-hmm. to all, all of our dear listeners, go over and listen to Y'all Are Gay. Yes, yes. So... Before we delve into the proper interview, and I think we'll probably uh, say this again, but tell our listeners how to find you. Mainly the one that I post on is my personal, of course. It's just underscore Jack White underscore again. Um, You must get that all the time. The White Stripes. I do. I do, yes. And it's funny because I never grew up listening to them. My parents like aren't big fans or anything. That's not why they named me Jack. But especially nowadays... It's funny, too, because it's an age difference thing. Like, I can tell if people around my age are a little older because they'll know versus the younger generations. Like, who the fuck is that? Right. Um, So there's that. And then the Y'all Are Gay podcasts Instagram, which will have you featured on there, will be just at Y'all Are Gay podcast. Fantastic. Well, head over there now. And you're on presumably all the usual podcasty places that we like to seek out and download from. Exactly. Anywhere you go to download podcasts, you know, Xtube, any of those, I'll be on there. <laughs> so tell us a little That's bit about... other videos. <laughs> OnlyFans. Tell us a little bit about you. You're from Colorado, and then you moved to Texas, but now you're back in Colorado. Yeah, so I was born and raised here in Denver, and a little bit outside of the city, and decided to go to college in Texas, or university, as um, some people know it. Went to Baylor University, which is a 
the largest and oldest Baptist Christian university in the U.S. And why I chose to go there, I'm not <laughs> sure. My brother and sister both went there and so followed in their footsteps and mm-hmm. uh, stayed after college for some reason. And, all, and we'll probably get into this later, but my whole reason of staying was like, if I stay here, I won't be gay. I cannot be gay. So turns out I came out while I was living there, <laughs> as one does. Yeah. And a couple years later, I moved back to Denver. So I've been here for almost three years now. See, we don't know a lot about Colorado, don't we? It's Aspen in Colorado. Aspen is in Colorado, yes. See, that, that's my, my image of uh, of Colorado. It's like very, very posh ski resorts, very, very <laughs> posh food and wine. I, I'm I used yeah. to I, I used to watch this um, reality show. This is an American reality show called uh, Top Chef. Oh, and, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and sort of the price is sort of like a showcase in like a food and wine expo there in in Aspen. It all looks so refined, so so bosh it's it's also yes. nice nice wines nice meal it it definitely does look amazing it looks very expensive though you know aspen is very expensive and that's why i don't live there um. <laughs> you are very expensive jack you are you're priceless you're priceless I am. mama can't put a price on that so <laughs> that's so funny too i think a lot of people who don't know colorado or denver think that I live in the mountains and I definitely don't. I can see the mountains from my apartment. Um, it's about an hour and a half drive to get there, but we are just in a normal city with a lot of trees and fresh air. Colorado has something like more sunny days than any other state in the U.S. Someone's wow. going to come for me on that, but yeah, something similar to that. And There's always Aspen's a fact checker about- somewhere, isn't it? I know, there's always a fact checker. I'll get that in the review or something. But yeah, Aspen's about a seven hour drive. So it's pretty far, pretty Mm -hmm. far from us. And I can tell you I've been to Aspen maybe once. Um, To be fair, here, seven hours, you're in a different country. You've probably gone through two or three countries. If you drive seven right. hours, but that's that's right. that's the true wherever you live in the world. I mean, we were talking last night. I've never been to Stonehenge, and it's only a two-hour drive from here. So yeah, exactly. You you never explore your own backyard until. So true. It'll probably be when you come over and visit Jack that we'll go to Stonehenge. <laughs> that'll be that'll that's be the, the impetus. First thing that we're gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> Stonehenge, bear bars. Yeah, that's uh... guaranteed. Absolutely guaranteed. Absolutely guaranteed. Now, we've obviously been listening to your podcast. And and like you said at the top there, some really, really kind of moving stories, some really funny stories that you've shared from people uh, about coming out. I think the one that really struck the chord the most with me was was your coming out story, because it was it's a lot, isn't it? I mean, you you really (laughs) went through it. I think for me and talking with y'all, previously just about your coming out stories it's so interesting the different family dynamics that we grew up in the cultural dynamics that we grew up in and even after being an adult what that looks like in coming out Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't come out until I was 25 and I'm only 20 only I'm I'm an old gay now and I'm 28 Um, oh you're not bad you are not an old gay (laughs) trust me I mean (laughs) I I love you but fuck off (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be 40 next year. Yeah, I'm gay-wise, I'm only, what, four. So uh, coming out-wise. Yeah, and I think that uh, the whole purpose of not wanting to come out or, or not coming out was a huge basis on religion and played a huge part in my life. I grew up in a family that was centered around Christianity, not necessarily Catholicism, but more so what we would call evangelicalism, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. white evangelicalism, especially. So, you know, we are grew up in a place where it's very important to pray all the time, like publicly and, 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 and with one another. And going to church is not just something you do on Sundays. It's something that is your community. That's your yeah. friends are your church friends. Your, you know, how you work is based off of religion. How you, what you do in the office is how are you showing God? How are you showing others God? And so it was intense, right? It wasn't looking back at it now. I'm like, what the fuck? But at the same time, when you're in it, it doesn't feel crazy, right? It doesn't feel like it's out of the ordinary that you're doing that. And so 
with that, of course, comes the talk of homosexuality and how I grew up around what we viewed of homosexuality. And so I remember as young as, I think it was four, something along, young, very young age, and walking into <laughs> my parents' garage and seeing an Abercrombie bag in Back in the day, I think, I don't, I haven't seen Abercrombie advertisements in a while, but back in the day, they were like softcore porn, right? Oh, absolutely. Hella hot, so hot, no matter what. And seeing one of the bags there and getting my older sister, I'm the youngest of three, uh, my oldest sibling is my sister, and pulling her and going, Whitney, that, I think that guy's really cute. And her initial reaction is, Jack, you can't say that. So no explanation as to why, um, Mm -hmm. but just knowing like, okay, that's something I don't say. So definitely shoved all of that down for years to come. I was someone who was really involved in theater and choir. My dad definitely tried to put me in sports. He, you know, if there's a sport, I've definitely tried it, um, (laughs) except for baseball, because no one wants a son that plays baseball. Really? Um, Oh, I love baseball. I know, but it's like five games a week kind of thing. Yeah, it's intense. It is really intense. I remember when I went to Chicago and um, I really wanted to go and see a ball game. And I was like, yeah, but because here, like the football football is like once a week. And I was like, well, but Mm -hmm. I'm only in town for like five days. Maybe I will have missed it. And it was like, take your pick. It was like, (laughs) you go whenever you want. It was intense, man. (laughs) It's every, yeah. If you want to see a game, it's going on somewhere. So didn't do baseball. I did American football. Uh, I did soccer, which is UK football. And I did Taekwondo. I did, you know, all of these different sports and always would try to revert back to choir and theater. And I think for my dad at that time was a little bit hard of a a hard bullet to bite. You know, some, his Mm -hmm. son's not the one that's out there doing that. I'm a bigger guy. I should be playing football. Right. And was just crying on the sidelines instead. (laughs) Like I don't want to hurt anyone. Which now I kind of wonder if I go back. I'm like, I have a little more rage inside of me. <laughs> I mean, that bottle rage has to do some good. So yes. get, get somewhere, <laughs> ram it into someone in the football context, obviously. Yes. What did way you go with that? Football. It's American football context. You ram into people. Oh, do you? I yes. Sorry, I didn't know that about American football. It's like the pussy version of rugby, I would say. <laughs> like, I honestly, rugby players, one, are so hot, but two, don't play with any pads, and it's same contact. Football, American football is the same way, but with it's like shorter shorter time in between when you're moving around and full pads and whatnot so I think the way i see it is that rugby is homoerotic Ameri- american football is fetish homoerotic because it's like homoerotic <laughs> but you have gear, gear. yeah <laughs> it's the gear homoerotic 100 i love how you thought <laughs> about this as well Bob. <laughs> quite a lot yes absolutely so by the time i reached high school um i i think my dad had given up and Fortunately, I have an older brother who was more of the sports guy. So they always got along together. And I always had a disconnect with my dad because of that. Not that he wasn't supportive of me doing those things. He was there for every show and every concert that I was doing, uh, which I'm very thankful for. But yeah, I took a totally different path. And because of that, I was obviously seen as more feminine, was seen as more gay in that sense without even addressing it myself. I would have I was bullied consistently in middle school for being gay. And after when I was in high school, so grades nine through 12, I took it upon myself to sort of get into the in crowd, right? To be someone that people want to hang out with. And Mm -hmm. because of that, you can't be made fun of, right? So I did all of that and I started having secret, you know, meetups and and secret, uh, a whole secret life because going through church and going through family wise, it was just that is being the LGBTQ community is sin, mm-hmm. blatantly put, which is a harsh thing to say, but we can get on that later. So it, it became something very hidden and was very good at sneaking around, very good at hiding what I was doing after midnight, right? Mm. Uh, So 
that led through college, led through university. I didn't ever come out. I had been caught for looking at gay porn on my brother's computer, which was funny now to think, <laughs> but like horrible in the moment and had denied, denied, denied everything. How um, did you explain that away? Yeah. So it's really easy in the Christian world, right? It's not your, it's not who you are. It's what you struggle with. You struggle with what's called same-sex attraction is what they will call it. So it's something that is your sin or something mm-hmm. that can be worked on. So, so it's something redeemable somehow. That's the, that's exactly, the point of it. Exactly. Pray enough and it'll go away. So wow. I, yeah, <laughs> turns out not true. But um, <laughs> I went into spoiler alert. because of it. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. But I went into therapy because of it. And, you know, we often hear the term conversion therapy, which is, I wouldn't consider what I went through conversion therapy. It was more of a talking with a guidance counselor about what's going on. And because I am who I am, or I was who I was at that point, I was really good at sort of beating around the bush and, and talking about more talking about different struggles. So, okay, I don't have a relationship with my dad. Let's talk about that, counselor man. Let's not talk about the fact that I'm, you know, on Craigslist at 17 years old. So it was all just a lie. Like I was living in such a lie of a life, but I could balance it really well. For years I did. And so for a few years in college, I went to therapy. I actually ended up joining a church in, in Waco, which... A lot of people probably have heard of Waco for one of two things. It's Chip and Joanna doing home renovations, Fixer Upper, which is a huge (laughs) white person, middle-class woman show. Or they've heard of the Waco cults, right? And so the whole, the the burning, the ATF, all of that. And the saying cult was kind of thrown around in a funny sense. And then all of a sudden you're in a church and it's like, Oh fuck! Like I think this is a cult. Not saying that Wake is full of cults, but no, no, no. But general. we watched we during the pandemic. We watched the Vow. I don't know if you've seen that the documentary series about the not, um, no. the Nixium. Yeah, the Nixium cult. And oh yes, we watched the first episode and 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 how they attract people into the into the cult. Essentially, we were like, well, actually, this kind of management course that they're offering. Seems really good, you know? And I would have signed up for, for that bit. Exactly, right? Community. You have exactly. a safe place. You have, I mean, a, a lot of the times, and again, this church is not like a defined a, a cult, no, right? No. I would say any organized religion can be looked at as a cult in one way or the other. This was just a way more intense church than what I had ever been to. So, you know, Sundays you have church tuesdays you have life group meetings so you meet with six or seven other people that are your age and go over bible studies and then wednesday you meet with your mentor and thursday Mm -hmm. you're outreach so there's always you know it's like consistently there's things to do and their big thing was being open about who you are and, and working on that because you can't live a life without jesus if you're hiding something so i was very open about the fact that I struggled with same-sex attraction to these people, the response to that is, well, how can we pray with you through that? How can we be better there for you through that? And so the steps are like, get in a group of men. Surround yourself with burly men. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a little bit counterintuitive to me, but okay. A hundred percent, right? Like, okay, I'll do that. And then, you know, it pray about it, give it to God. And so I'm doing all of these things for years. I mean, like years and just never felt okay with it. There was always something that was like, this isn't going away. I'm doing every step that I need to do that you're telling me that I need to do. And this isn't going away. Meanwhile, I'm still sneaking around at night and like still leading this double life. So Mm. I got to the point, honestly, where I was at a worship service. We'll call it a Wednesday night. It was kind of for young adults to come and um, a a small church service. And they're very passionate about their worship. So it's not your traditional, like, choral music worship. It's, like, good music, right? It's got a band. It's got great singers and whatnot. And so the 
atmosphere around there is very like it's like being at a really cool concert you know how you feel that like unity with everyone unity with the band and there it's a it's a spiritual moment one night just remember being like all right god like fuck you like this isn't going away like Mm. fuck off saying that and like not really ever (laughs) breaching that line before and sitting there for a second and just feeling like I heard or uh, a voice or, or, or whatever you want to call it in my head going like, if I didn't make you this way, you wouldn't be this way. Like go and live your life. Hmm. And just feeling this like rush of like freedom almost and anxiety too. Yeah. Of, Did I just hear that God's like telling me that this is okay so, of course, my next thing to do is say, oh, okay, prove it, right? Test God. <laughs> Smart thing to do, Jack. And within the next couple of weeks, had four friends come out to me. Like, just, it was just wow. weird. It all worked very well together and felt really confident for the first time that the fact that I could be gay, I could still have faith. At that time, I would say I could still be a really strong Christian, and be gay and that's okay. And so that started a journey of telling people, you know, first it was friends, the safe friends that you have. And it was a couple of the friends that came out to me. I was like, okay, well, I'm dealing with this too. And let's talk about it because I think it's okay. And I think it's time that we stop believing that we're wrong and believing that this amazing God that you're telling us about is okay with this factor of your life. Like, how shitty is it that we had put him, them, God, in a box of this is what we have to be, otherwise we're too much. So my whole coming out was very spiritual, I would say. And to this day, I'm still thankful for that. And I, I still believe that without coming out and having faith and without God, my parents, my family wouldn't be where they are today because their shift and in their lives has been so drastically changed from where they were. So yeah, that was, that was at 25 and had told my friends. And of course I live in small town, Texas. And my brother is a pastor at this church that I'm going to, Um, that word got back to him and it was a knock on the door at 8 AM on a Monday. And my brother was on FaceTime with my parents in First thing he says is, I know about your double life. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. You know, at this point, they had known that I struggled. They had known that I had looked at gay porn, whatnot. And I had the decision to continue down that path or just to confront it. And so I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, what, that I'm gay? And (laughs) I don't think he was expecting that. His face dropped and it was a whole 45 hour-long conversation of what like what what do you mean you're wrong or I'm right or or whatnot and messy it was very messy I didn't talk to my family for a few months fortunately I had told my sister at that point and she's the she's been my go-to ever since she's sort of the the more liberal one we'll call her in our family and she you know, first person I called afterwards and she was upset. And so I had, I had foundation thankfully um, for when the time came that I came out to family and it didn't go well, which I'm finding is huge for anyone coming out is make sure you have that foundation before you hit those hard conversations, because you're going to need people to lean on. It's really a feel coming out as the most lonely thing you can do. Yeah. And to be able to have people, to support you through that, even if, you know, because others won't is monumental. So, and, and I think as well um, that it must be so difficult because uh, talking about support is that, is that when you're struggling with uh, same sex attraction, the reaction for the church is not to shine you out. It's, it's basically a, a very sort of, in a quite twisted way, a supportive mm-hmm. approach is, uh, oh, we really support you, but it's how, how can we support you to, the gay away rather than actually supporting you in being you so I, I i can imagine how confusing that must be as well very yeah because you you feel wanted and you feel that you belong there but it's because you're trying to get fixed 
And, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward a few months even of me coming out, I, every single person from that church dropped me. So I'm like, okay, well, you didn't really like me. You know, you yeah. didn't really care. And yes, I'll take side on that too, is I stopped going to that church because mm-hmm. obviously it's not a safe place. But the relation, the friendships that I had just dropped. And to me, that is more telling of them than anything and more telling of the American Christian church than anything of, we want you to be here so long as you fit this box or you're trying to fit the box. There's a lot of decencies, isn't it, in that belonging. Mm -hmm. How has your faith kind of then changed? A lot. You know, first coming out, it was very spiritual. It was very God is... Ooh, like the church is still good. And I think the more out I became and the more comfortable with my sexuality that I became and taking a look at the institutions that I was associating myself with, it just threw me for a spin. Like suddenly I'm believing that this is one thing, like I'm believing that the church that I went to was the all being, yes, this is how it works. And now I'm like, what the fuck do I believe? Like what is Mm. correct and what is not? So faith now for me, I would say spiritually, yes, I believe there is a God. I believe that I perceive is not necessarily a male figure not necessarily a female figure that we've been taught. And it's, it's a, it's a uh, a (laughs) non-binary being who is there for you and is, never going to turn their back away from you no matter what you do and is so much more loving than we could ever imagine versus previously it was perform well so you don't make him mad and same thing goes with Jesus like talking about the person of Jesus and first off spoiler alert he wasn't white which is just a huge thing like (laughs) the the like I just remember so many Churches growing up, I'm like, there's a white hot Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The, yeah, with the ripped abs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like bloody and I'm like, whoa, okay. So, the person who I think we have been taught or how it's been translated down the years is so much different than who he really was. Like, he was someone who would probably be hated by a lot of people, especially the ones in power, the ones ruling, the ones feeling like they are correct because he was just so against it and Jesus would have been with us, right? He would have been showing with us and, and not trying to correct us, but more so just showing love. And I yeah. think that's the biggest thing is like, that is what religion is. You look at the, it, many, all religions are the basis of it is love. And that is his, my belief in what it is. So yeah. I don't go to church anymore. I don't attend anything like that it's still sort of i don't want to say triggering but it is it's just not a safe place for me even if they are a church that is very affirming of gays meaning they let people the lgbtq community serve on staff they let them do whatnot i just like i've tried and it's just so i just have flashbacks of like Right, so, and it seems that you've made a distinction between your faith and religion, which is a a very important distinction that not a lot of people not a lot of people make. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's a fundamental one. Is is this idea that you believe in God? You believe that God, whoever they might be, or however they might be, their basis is love, the the same with Jesus, and that doesn't necessarily connect with a specific religion, right? I don't know if this is happening. This is a great question for y'all of something that's very prevalent right now, at least in my community or like the young, younger, like the millennial people who went to church growing up is deconstructing faith. Have you heard that term before? No. So going under deconstruction is a lot like taking what you know, (laughs) what you've thought to be, believing true, taking a step back from it and sort of ripping off what is not correct. So for me, it was taking a step back from religion, looking at it like God is actually a beautiful being. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need to know. I don't need to believe in, I go to church and that's what makes me better. I don't need, it's getting rid of beliefs that no longer serve you. 
So there's a great podcast on it called Dirty Rotten Church Kids, and they talk a lot about their deconstruction and just funny stories. One of what we grew up with thinking was okay. Yeah. Of like, what the fuck? (laughs) No. And being adults and, 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 and working through that. So a lot of what I, we talk about on my podcast too, is that is gays now coming out and feeling like they had a safe place, but then they came out and their parents don't love them anymore because of this faith that we grew up with. And so they're like, well, what, you know, what is, this doesn't make any sense. So it's really confusing. And I mean, I've had to go to therapy for it. I have plenty of friends in therapy for church trauma. Just the fact that getting rid of everything you believed in is not easy. Right. Um, And rebuilding from there. And what's your relationship like with your family now? Have they come on that journey of faith with you as well? Yeah. So yes and no. So after that conversation with my brother coming into my house and my parents, I, I didn't talk to my parents for about a month and a half. I didn't talk to my brother for about four months. And during that time, I had written my parents a letter just explaining my journey for once, right? And, and not holding back details. So where I've been, where I'm at and where I'm going. And mm-hmm. had to include things like, hey, I, I don't have HIV, and I don't have an addiction to cocaine or like all of these things that are so preconceived mm. because they just, I'm the first gay person they've met yeah. and I'm their son. So there's just so much concern and confusion around that. And so my encouragement to them and something that I encourage a lot of people with similar backgrounds is give them resources and give them time and give them grace because you've had, well, I had 25 years to figure this out. And now my parents, I'm just expecting them to understand that the next day. That'd be great, but it's, they still have their journey too. Um, you know what? I not only hundred percent agree with that, but it's something that in the past I have, I have said as well to some friends that, I have just come out. The parents were struggling. I, I, and I've always mm-hmm. said it took years for you to figure out and accept yourself. You can't expect your parents to do it in six months, can you? Mm. Right. It, it's, right. It's a difficult enough journey for yourself to go through. Imagine for someone who's actually an observer, an observer from it. It must yeah. not be easy. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, and it's, that's the hard part too, of you want your parents to know that, but I don't like, I didn't play a part in them growing and understanding. I told them that's where I was and to figure it out because I've done my work. It's your turn to now do your work and I'm happy to provide what I know. But at the end of the day, it's your journey, not mine. So it was kind of like, hey, go figure it out and come back and talk to me when you're ready. And that was probably the best thing that I, that happened throughout the coming out. They, you know, got into these groups for parents of LGBTQ children. It's a Christian group for them and a space for parents to come and talk, like ask the hard questions and ask the, you know, the dirty questions they probably don't feel comfortable asking us, which I, again, is I think okay. And they've grown a lot from that and help them. You know, there's so much literature as well on why, homosexuality specifically has been looked at so poorly in the Christian community. And it's because of a translation that happened in like the 17th, yeah. like not that long ago. And so it's like, Oh, wait, what? I, and that's kind of a mind fuck for them too, because all of a sudden what this book that they've been taught is the ultimate truth might have flaws in it like what you know so i'm really close with them i this all happened in in january of 2018 i believe and then by june of 2018 my mom and dad were at pride in denver um, which was like the sweetest thing ever and will always choke me up and it's given me goosebumps um, i know it's (laughs) it's amazing isn't it right it is and they didn't even want to tell me they were going. They wanted it to kind of be their own thing, which I'm fine with. But my sister went, and of course, she's FaceTiming me. <laughs> um, I was still in Texas at the time. But they were there was something that triggered them of, like, 
the message of love. And so my mom, every year at Pride, wears mom hug shirts. And like, ugh, sorry. And it's just like so powerful yeah. to see one, your own mom doing that, but two, just a mom coming to these people who don't have as lucky of stories as I did and watching her like love on them so well. Um, yeah. And my dad was doing it too. And so he was a little more uncomfortable and he was like, okay, though, you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doesn't necessarily want to hug another man in a jock strap, but um, <laughs> who doesn't? I, mean... doesn't? <laughs> I can't relate, but, uh... <laughs> but yeah, that's so, what love does. Does it? Yeah. It's, I don't, it's, it was just a, that started the whole path of us rebuilding and, and growing. And, you know, with my brother and his family, it's growing as well. I wouldn't say we're, we're perfect. They've actually left that church finally. Um, and so for the first time in seven years, I've been able to have a normal conversation with him without feeling like there's some other yeah. desire behind yeah. it so yeah we're going on that and uh, again i'm just it, my story's not easy but it's also not as hard as so many others so i'm thankful for it and the thing is i think that the important thing about uh, you uh, telling your coming out story and the journey that you've been on is more on the fact that uh, there's a lot of people right now who m might be listening to these who are actually in a previous step of the same journey and they're mm -hmm. facing the rejection they're, fa they're facing they're not talking to the families or being shunned by a, uh, shunned by the church so yeah. I, I think it's so important for those people who are in in a different a different parts of the same journey to know that how it ends or how it can end right and that you're not alone i think that's the the biggest part about the lgbtq community and one thing that ties us all together is that we've all if you're out you've gone through a version of this story one way or the other and that's beautiful to me and what granted coming out like we had talked about before, no one should have to come out. However, that is what it is right now. And it's something that all of us can relate to or hopefully get something out of with one another. So, yeah, and that's my hope with all of it is reaching those who are struggling to maybe come out even. I think that's, I wish I had had podcasts or role models or something that I could tap into that was so simple that was similar to what i'm either dealing mm. with or dealt with in a clear understanding of how that the outcome can be i've told you about my preconceptions about mm. where you come from about colorado mm. what are your views of the UK. So what do you know and understand of the UK? And let's see if we can get Ben into therapy. <laughs> I, have you been to the UK? I have not, no. We'll, 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 um, we'll change that soon. Um, we'll change absolutely. that soon. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. No, that is... If I didn't have a reason to go before, I do now. <laughs> and yeah, so my preconceptions. Hmm. So what we see on TV is... Um, I mean, if it's not like a historical thing that we're watching, it's like Love Island UK or oh, um, Great British Bake Off or Peaky Blinders, So, uh, which I guess is historical. So I would say my like viewpoint of the UK is everyone there is, well, first off, loves their tea. Well, and, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, that is true. Right. That is true. Yes. Um, but also very like liberal. And I think a lot of US people living in the States believe that like other countries are just more liberal because it's not the US, which I'm finding is not true. But like everyone there is just cool with whatever, you know, you, you <laughs> move into your partner's apartment and it's not a question asked you smoke cigarettes when you're like in middle school you you know the drinking culture there is you go and have wine at lunch it's so just i see it as like refined it's like oh we are we're refined we're having wine with breakfast <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, yeah. maybe not breakfast okay i'll say that but 
yeah, I would say a little, little, a bit posh everywhere, if you might. And I think that it's interesting that you say that because it's like I feel like what British TV shows the world is that you are either a a, a Victorian woman sipping tea or you are half naked in Love Island. It's a little bit of a stretch from one to the other, isn't it? It's quite interesting because I think as a country we're quite voyeuristic, but it's fine when we're when we're judging other people. Like there is a program we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago called The Love Triangle that was on mm-hmm. over here. And it was basically like a couple looking for a third to join their relationship. And it's like it's like a normal dating show, but they're just auditioning for a third person. And on one hand, you think, oh, that's really progressive. Isn't it great? We also have another program called Naked Attraction, where you basically see people becoming increasingly naked. And then you basically decide if you want to be with someone based on looks alone. No. Oh, wait. Okay, wait. Here's my other pre... On that topic that y'all don't blur out nudity on your TV. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. If it's past seven o'clock, get, get the tits out, get the, get the willy. Get well, the funnies. I think, I think, I think I, I've seen more funnies in Channel 4 than in real life. I think penises is after nine, isn't it? Right. Um, okay, nine think, o'clock think, is penis time. Yeah, yeah. But you very rarely see, an, an, if at all, an erect penis. So it's okay. it's always and that's the thing on this on um, fatal attraction. It's not fatal. That's bunny boiling. Naked attraction. Naked attraction. They um, apparently have somebody on hand to stop men from getting from getting aroused. Like I don't know if How? they like blow cold air on it or stuff like that. They like, um, come at it with a needle. They're like <laughs> they they, they <laughs> come out with a photo of your grandmother. You know, it's like. Here's your grandmother. Here's your grandmother. Oh, Think about That's disgusting. But there is that kind of thing in this in in British culture where it's kind of like we're fine to watch that kind of stuff as long as it's not happening to us. And it, and there is a sense of I feel. I mean, I think Naked Attraction is a brilliant show in the sense that it shows people from all different races, colours, you know, different backgrounds. There's, there's one episode with a very religious sixty-something-year-old woman. Mm. who is basically playing a, a church anthem on a small keyboard whilst the guys are basically doing the helicopter, yeah. dancing to it. Yeah, That's wild. That's the extent of, of British television. But you know what? I, 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 and I'm going to challenge that as well. I think that the poshness of British is a facade. The moment you start peeling just a little bit, uh-huh. chav, chav, chav. Chav. Yeah. Okay. So Chav is, so thanks to TikTok now that we can understand what Chav is, Yeah. which is hilarious to me because I'm like, Chav is, my understanding of it are these women who wear way too much makeup and they low key look like drag queens and they have these giant lips and they're like, what are you doing? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> That's an amazing impression. That's great. I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty yeah. much there. I don't know if I've ever told Ben these, but I think that one of my first impressions when I moved to the UK was these type of women, middle age, 40s, 50s, the amount of them that were like on a regular night at 9pm, 10pm, like sitting on the curb, throwing up, drunk out of their tits. The um, the so sheer the amount. Doesn't think the party girls, but the party middle aged girls. Mm-hmm. I, so I, like you're too old to be doing this. Exactly. It's like in Argentina, people get drunk, but they kind of do it in private when they get to a certain yeah. age. Once you've passed bar age, like your twenties, your thirties, you're gonna get drunk in private. Oh, live and let live. If if people are enjoying themselves and they're not hurting others, let them get on with it. <laughs> I, I think see, what, we see. Go ahead. I was going to say, if we see that, like a middle-aged woman throwing up on the side of the road, she's either like coming home from her first gay bar, or it's like <laughs> she just going through a divorce. But it definitely has happened. Exactly. But or no, both. here is just Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of like a bit of a reaction to that now. We had the founder of Hunsnet on the show mm-hmm. a couple of months ago now, and there's this whole movement called Hun Culture, and it's kind of looking at that kind of person but almost looking mm-hmm. through retro eyes and being quite nostalgic about it all and it's it's really really interesting and and also the people themselves who are being called the chav or whatever are almost mm-hmm. having fun with it and being like well actually i'm living my best life so you know mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and, and and there's kind of like a almost a sisterhood within that it's kind of like actually you're only jealous because you're not in my club 
um, and yes. everybody wants to be in that club. So it's really interesting. It's really it's really interesting how these kind of trends, you know, morph. Can a guy be considered chav, or is it just women? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. In fact, when I was growing up, chav was a, a kind of it was the kind of term that you would mainly use for a guy, a, a sort of skinny white guy who had shaved hair and wore an Adidas tracksuit. You know, like what Madonna wore when she was doing the whole I'm going to rip off Abba, that kind of phase of Madonna's career when she was kind of wearing the, the, the tracksuits and stuff. Yeah. That to me is a chav. So they were like looked at as straight just sort of boring men almost or like in tracksuits or i think it's more derogative than that unfortunately i think that the term chav here is mostly used for what you would call sort of like a a middle lower class or or what is perceived to be a middle lower class person without any refinement okay so have you seen jersey shore yes that's Chav. That is Chav. Okay. That's Chav. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we yeah, would yeah. call that Guido. Yeah, Guido. Yeah. Which I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. you can say anymore. But uh, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So sort of the like raunchy, we don't give a fuck, we're here to party, motherfuckers. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. <laughs> and I suppose you're what, what you would call New Jersey, we would call Essex. So it, it, okay, it's yeah, kind of that the similar sense. thing, you know, and it's the the, the, the spray tan, the nightclubs, yep. you know, the kind okay. of bling, you know, there's this yeah, whole I guess big... you wouldn't picture gay men in that situation. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't picture a gay Guido. No, I mean, they did, there was a big reality series here called The Only Way is Essex, which is kind of our version of Jersey okay. Shore, or they did, they did bring Jersey Shore over to here, and it was set in Newcastle, which is this town in the northeast of England, and it's nothing like New Jersey, but anyway. And as a foreigner, I could not understand where they were saying. The accent was so <laughs> thick. The only way is Essex. They did have a couple of gay characters in that, but again, they were very kind of, I don't know, it was, it was where, I wouldn't say the butt of the joke, but they were uber-stylized and... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you've, I've seen them interviewed on TV and they're absolutely lovely guys, but the way that they kind of portray them in those reality shows is... is um, but they used to do this thing called the Vajazzle. Have you heard of the Vajazzle? So this is where you put, like... <laughs> like, like, like glitter and, like, gemstones. Yeah, and then they did a Pajazzle as well. That was on, on the peen. <laughs> but then again, that's British life for you. To be fair, I, I was kind of I was kind of hoping to get Ben into therapy after this, but I don't know if it's going to be you, Jack, needing more therapy after he- hearing about so. British culture. So. <laughs> oh, Jack, you know, I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours. This is absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I, I, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for coming on today, sharing yes. your story. I know you have to share it a lot, and... You know, it's a lot for you to to keep going through, but um, we really appreciate it. And you know, like we said, if it's helped just one person, then you know, all 100%. the better for it. So, thank you so much. And if people do want to get in touch with you, find out more about you, where are you on the socials? Yeah, I'm on. I would say Instagram is probably where I am most active. So, either the Y'all Are Gay podcast Instagram or my personal Jack White with a Y. But yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm always wanting more stories and more um, and a more broad spectrum of, of things. We've gotten a lot of white Southern folks from Texas. And so if, you know, if someone is interested in sharing their story, it's super easy, super fun to set up and a fun conversation. But wanted to thank y'all for having me. It's been so fun to create a relationship with people from across the world and just learning from each of you uh, has been really great and i'm very excited to come visit you absolutely anytime anytime hoping you can get out to colorado as well very much yeah yes you might fall in love that's kind of the hard thing Mm, mm. i mean it's a risk i'm it's a risk i'm willing to take i really (laughs) want to go we'll turn you into a chav when you come here Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just so I can be charmed. Absolutely, absolutely. We will give you a spray tan. We'll give you a vajazzle. We'll get your nails done. You're going to be totes amaze. Totes amaze, fabulous. Love <laughs> it. I'm here for it. All right, Jack. We'll have <laughs> a lovely day, and we'll speak to you soon. Lots of love. Yes, lots of love. Thank you. Take care. Bye. That was so great. But I have to admit that 
I was getting misty at some point listening to Chuck, and I'm supposed to be the stone cold bitch here, so it was kind of ruining my street cred. Yeah, I was welling up quite a lot. I mean, what an incredible story, and you know. <laughs> I suppose we all like a happy ending, but it's really, really reassuring to hear that, you know, he managed to sort of re-strengthen that bond with his family. And he's clearly in such an amazing place now. You know, he's really happy. He's, you know, settled with somebody. They're living together. And yeah, what a great guy. And what a beautiful thing to do as well. So what we're going to do now? Mm, Go have a cry and a cuddle. No. That'll be lovely. Come here, Bab. Oh. Do you cuddle like a 70-year-old woman? <laughs> no, but I'm feeling a bit, a bit delicate. Okay, let's go have a cuddle. Okay, bye. Bye.